I've spoken before about something called cognitive dissonance. Now, there's many aspects to cost, to cognitive dissonance. When I was doing some research for this, I looked up a website called Medical News Today, and it has there an example of cognitive dissonance. It's where the behaviour of a person conflicts with their inner beliefs. This is one example, one kind of cognitive dissonance. And as their example, they say a person who wishes to protect other people and who believes that COVID-19 pandemic is real might wear a mask in public. This is consonance, in other words, the opposite of dissonance. If that same person believed that COVID-19 pandemic was real but refused to wear a mask, their values and behaviours would contradict each other and this is dissonance. Now, this is absolute rubbish, of course. Um, the reason you might refuse to wear a mask is because you think masks do more harm than good and don't protect people. And this is the extent that people have been indoctrinated into stupidity. But there are two aspects to cognitive dissonance. One is the, the example that's usually given is of smokers who continue to smoking even though they know that smoking is bad for them and might shorten their life. In fact, that isn't even cognitive dissonance, although it's often given as an example. It may be that in their trade-off they don't care about shortening their life, they prefer to enjoy the life they've, they've got even if it's shorter than they would otherwise. And even though they might be scientifically shown or proved, to use scientific parlance, that their, their lives are, are shorter um, if for people who smoke, it's only a statistical correlation. So people could argue rightly that in, in there's no reason to suppose that in their case it might necessarily apply. And of course, you know, when we're looking at averages and, and so on and scientific correlations, correlation is not causation. There's many, many aspects to consider. But the other aspect of cognitive dissonance is the idea of having two different ideas in your mind. And if somebody were to tell you something or give you some information that contradicts your assumptions, the way you look at the world, what do you do with that new information? And I've talked about this before. What most people would do would be to simply analyse that new information in terms of what they already know and probably reject it. And in that way, people never change their ideas. They look at everything in terms of what they already know and say, well, does this fit in with what I already believe? And if it does, I'll accept it. And if it doesn't, I'll reject it. So they, they never change their ideas. And a much better way of dealing with these new ideas is to hold both ideas in your mind at the same time. In other words, to encourage that cognitive dissonance. And in their own time, these get resolved. Your worldview starts to change, the things you're looking at start to change, and so on. Now, a few years ago, we've only got to go back two or three years, not really that long, and it was a generally accepted argument 
that freedom of speech and democracy are integrally, integrally related in the sense that if you're going to give people a choice as to which leaders to choose, they have to have all the information at their disposal. Over the last two years, over the uh, COVID-19, where the world turned upside down, it seems to be a commonly held view that censorship and democracy have to go hand in hand. Now, this really makes absolutely no logical sense. If you don't, if you're only given a certain amount of information, how can you properly make a decision? And when people are bring this up, they will say, "Ah, oh, yes, but we have to protect people from hate speech and things like this." Even if that's the case. Even if that's the case, most censorship that's going on now is not about hate speech. It's suppressing any ideas that form go against the conventional ideas on COVID and vaccinations and and so on. Um, and it, even ideas against um, biology of men and women and so on. The censorship is becoming more and more uh, insidious. And people think, I mean, they don't think this through. If they did think it through, they'd realise that they are suffering from a huge cognitive dissonance here. But if they were asked, they would probably think that, no, no, the, the censorship doesn't take place for me because I'm an intelligent person. It's for these other people who aren't so intelligent. In other words... Everybody you, you would talk to would assume that they're intelligent enough to make a decision if they're given all the information. Um, but there's people out there who are too stupid and these people must be protected or society must be protected from these people, I suppose is the idea. So what's odd is that when Elon Musk bought uh, Twitter and basically said that there wasn't going to be any censorship, People, presumably intelligent people, or people who thought they were, think of themselves as intelligent, um, left Twitter by their thousands, apparently, I mean, if the media is to be believed. But are they thinking that they're not intelligent enough that if they were subject to no censorship that their ideas might change? I mean, the absurdity of that is apparent. Uh, are these ideas so... Um, so enticing or so um, filled with value that even an intelligent person would get, would get um, uh, might change their views, in which case you have to ask yourself, well, maybe we should be listening to these views, not, not suppressing them. So the idea of leaving Twitter because it's not being censored is either because you think you're too stupid and you're going to be fooled by ideas, or that somehow all this hate speech, and, and, and of course there isn't, you know, hate speech is a very, very small part of what's being censored, um, is somehow going to affect your mind. It's like people running away from swear words or something like that. Well, you know, if you're that fragile, then, um, you know, this, is, this again is a symptom of the times. Um, you know, you've only got to call a trans person by the wrong pronoun and they have a 
nervous breakdown to the point of apparently committing suicide. Uh, and apparently the person who's using the wrong pronoun is to blame for the suicide because they use the wrong, wrong pronoun. No, it's because we're such a, uh, a precious society that if people's world view is challenged to any extent, they can't take it. They hold on to this world view, even in the height of absurdity, to the point that even if they're given facts, such as the biological fact of men and women, uh, their whole worldview is threatened to be crumbled and they run away from it. Now, I've had many discussions with um, atheists over the years, and what I'm noticing more and more and more is, you know, to use a, a metaphor, they're like kids, you know, running around with their fingers in their ears refusing to listen to anything that might upset their worldview. It's an idiot's club where they are, the fear that they have of their worldview being attacked is such that they won't even read, and I'll talk to them about this, they won't even read or, or look at anything which is going to contradict their atheist opinions. Uh, and this is the extent we've got. It's not just atheism that's guilty of this, of course. It's all these... And people with their worldviews, they're afraid, the fear of them being attacked, of their fear of their worldview being overturned. We're seeing a situation at the moment where people are dying young, uh, unexpectedly. They've even coined a term for it, sudden adult death syndrome. And it's obvious to anybody who's looked at the literature and anybody who's looked at the statistics that this is caused by the vaccine. It's causing blood clotting, which is causing in turn brain hemorrhages and heart problems. And yet nobody in the media is going to accept it. In fact, if you were to say that, I think on certain um, media, um, you would be censored. It's this absolute fear of, of upsetting this world view. And of course, sooner or later, this whole thing collapses because if you go back in history, this is not the first time this has happened. It's happened in cycles. For years and years and years, people have ridiculous world views. Uh, and eventually those civilizations collapse through their own their own reluctance to change, their own inertia and stagnation, and they get overtaken by other societies. In our case, in the Western case, they're going to collapse for economic collapse, and probably the Chinese um, will take over, um, in, in certainly in some countries, certainly in Asian countries, the Chinese will take over. Uh, and the Chinese have been foisting this actually on the West. They've been complicit in this uh, propaganda and this way of looking at things. So on a personal level, how do you avoid this trap of getting stuck in your, your thinking? And one thing that's important is to understand that cognitive dissonance is not necessarily a bad thing. To hold two apparently contradictory ideas in your mind at the same time is 
actually a mark of, of uh, an intelligent person, but understand that the contradiction may only be apparent and understand that if you're ever asked about these things, you really your only correct answer is to say, well, I don't know, there's this and there's this and there's so on. One thing you will very rarely hear from so-called scientists is the phrase, I don't know. I've mentioned this before, but there was a scientist who used to be on the radio and, um, in Melbourne and uh, very advanced, you know, she was uh, dealt with the NASA and the training astronauts and so on. And she would be asked questions about various aspects of science, which were way, way outside of her field of discipline. And sometimes answers were just nonsense, but I never heard her once say she didn't know. It was almost like, you know, we mustn't admit as scientists we don't know, because then the whole edifice of science as being, you know, the thing that people look up to starts to collapse. So you have to get away from that and understand that there are certain things we don't know, certain things that we can be undecided about, certain things that we can have contradictory opinions about, and so on. In the book, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, the Red Queen says to Alice, um, you know, you should believe impossible things. She says, why, sometimes I believe there's many six impossible things before breakfast. And we must ask ourselves what it is to believe and what it is to believe things that apparently impossible. If you listen to the atheists and the sceptics, they will tell you that religion uh, is, is based on belief and science is based on factual information. Now, this is absolute rubbish, absolute crap. The science makes a lot of assumptions about the world. I've talked about this many times before, and it's on my website. It makes the assumption that it's an objective world that we can view. Uh, science, the scientific method, uh, de it depends on a certain number of factors, repeatability, peer review. Now, peer review means that do your peers, your scientific peers, agree with what you've said. So that immediately discounts any idea that science is objective because you're looking at a subjective interpretation by other so-called scientists. Um, you know, and it's a friends club. They're all going to agree with the same thing. If you were brought up as a scientist and you didn't believe in uh, Darwinian theory, for instance, you're not going to get very far. Nobody's going to employ you. Nobody's going to get you to pass exams. So there's a consensus, uh, a political consensus among scientists and if you don't agree with that your interpretations aren't going to be um aren't going to be passed your your papers aren't going to be approved by peer review so this idea that science is objective is absolute rubbish it's based on assumptions and assumptions and beliefs go hand in hand um the point about religion and belief in religion is that um certainly as regards islam the assumptions you make are very clearly defined um, they are laid down. These are things you have to accept. And from that, everything else follows. Now, these assumptions, in fact, you realise are factual. They're, they're the basis of which the universe is, is made. I won't go into it here. But um, the idea of believing something that's impossible is to look at the assumptions you make and... and um, Simply not, not question them even, but uh, put them to one side. And so we're supposing I was to accept the opposite of this. Um, and ask yourself what that would be like. Uh, so I say to people, if, if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, imagine for one day going through life and assuming that you're in a dream, that everything that happens around you is 
part of that dream. It's it's like it's designed for you. It's designed, you know, in your dream, everything you create in your dream, you is you created. It's there. It's your world. You know, the people, the objects, everything, the whole situation. You created that out of your own mind. So we can imagine being in a mind that's a dream that we created this in one form or another, and you'll find that you start to see things in a different way. Now, there's a syndrome called apophenia, and you can look this up on Wikipedia, and it's defined as a, um, a, a symptom of psychiatric dysfunction when taken to extreme. And it's where the patient, and notice they say patient as if there's something wrong with you, sees um, patterns, for example, um, a conspiracy to persecute them in ordinary actions. Um, now, this is interesting because they used to say that it was simply seeing patterns, and I think this has been changed. They say this is seeing stuff, patterns. But the point here, well, actually, when they're in the example in Wikipedia, uh, some of the patterns that people see aren't hostile at all. You know, they say, well, gamblers might imagine they see a pattern, or statistics people may see a pattern, or finance people may see them. cities aren't hostile patterns. So. Uh, just the definition is, is nonsense. But the point about this is that you're seeing patterns where they say none exist. Now, this is self-contradictory because who's to decide whether these patterns are real or not? In other words, they're saying, we as scientists know what's real. If you see something that's different from that, you are suffering from apophenia. This is this labelling of states which don't exist with the scientific consensus as being a mental illness. And this is not dissimilar from this thing I described earlier, where somebody refuses to wear a mask, is uh, defined as having um, cognitive dissonance. Um, it's a similar thing. See patterns all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, with seeing patterns. Um, who's, who's somebody else to say these patterns are real or not? The point is not to get carried away by it, to, to retain a degree of objectivity to retain this idea of, of having contradictory ideas in your mind at the same time, even many of them, where you consider these things as possibilities. So you walk in down the street and you hear somebody talking about something, you don't immediately say, well, that's absolutely real and I understand it and therefore it means I've got to pack my job in and go on a, on a hike around the, you know, around the wilderness. Um, but you do say, well, that's interesting that that happened but you don't understand it. And I think that's saying, uh, these are patterns I'm seeing, but I don't understand them, is a very good start towards this idea of seeing the world as wonder, to seeing the world as something that you don't understand, and that there's a wonder in things, which isn't scientific. It's outside of any scientific knowledge, but can be understood at a different level. A spiritual level where you're filled with a wonder that in the end you realize is orchestrated by a higher power and from this you develop a real understanding of the world it is outside of so-called scientific consensus
you for listening. You can email me, phil at graham.net. You can look at my website, philip with one L dot graham.net. Graham is B-R-A-H-A-M. And if you send an email, put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost. Thank you.